Limitless Q&A podcast number 36. Hey, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. And today we have got seven questions that fall across uh, quite the range of biohacking, life hacking kind of topics. Question number seven is rather spicy, isn't it, babe? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then you may have noticed this podcast is a little bit long, and that's because I have appended to it two conversations that I had with biohacker dudes that uh, allowed me to record our our uh, free biohacking consultations that I did with them because we ended up having some uh, having a good chat and answering some of their questions. I think you may find some uh, instructive value in those conversations. So before we dive into the questions, there's a couple of things that I need to mention, clarify first, which is that this is not medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a experienced, unlicensed self-experimenter practicing some free speech in trying to help out the people asking us questions here. So you should probably get a doctor's opinion, get a professional's opinion on any type of serious decisions that you're making about your health, about medicine, supplements, uh, drugs that you are going to be using. These are just my interpretations of the uh, published uh, science that is out there and then kind of fusing that with what we find in what we find talked about in the biohacker community online. And I will direct you on over to my guide on how to biohack smart and safe. That's kind of a good place to start with all of this. And I did mention those two guys that I chat with at the end of this podcast. And I do these consultations with people that pick up, that invest a minimum of $100 in their own brain power, in their own uh, biology, in their own uh, anti-aging via the recommendations that I have on the Limitless Mindset Secret Society page on the website. I've got... Uh, I think it's about 20 vendors listed there on that page now, which are the vetted vendors. They are vendors that I have uh, communicated with them, that I have tried their stuff, that I have double-checked their COAs, their certificates of analysis, verifying that their products are the real pure thing. And they are, yeah, things that I'm confident recommending. And then if you pick up, the minimum is $100. It kind of varies based upon the vendor. You are going to need to go and see that page. But if you pick up at least 100 bucks worth of stuff via the links on that page or anywhere on my social media channels to the different types of products and nootropics, then that compensates me a reasonable 
rather small amount as an affiliate. And that's how I can justify spending the time to do free consultations with some uh, folks that are out there. And this is one of my favorite parts of my job is to just connect with people and hear about uh, what sort of biohacking challenges they are facing. And a lot of times they're a little bit confused because they've been like Googling uh, different things and they have not quite gotten cl a clear answer on what they're looking for. And with my nearly 11 years now, yes, it is 11 years now of experience with all this, I'm a lot of times able to provide some insight. So yeah, like for example, today I am on NMN by these guys, do not age.org. And this is one of those recommended vendors because they go to the trouble of doing the purity testing on their product. And then they publish that there on the website. And that's the sort of thing that measures up to the high standards that I have. So I would urge you to go and take advantage of that uh, free consulting option that I offer. Okay, let's dive into the questions, babe. Okay, so the first question comes from Big Shoot and it's from Tinfoil Hatter. He's asking about Fenibute. Yep. What was a typical dose that give a cosmonaut then, you think? You think? Okay, so Fenibute was the anti-anxiety drug and I did look into this a bit. I was not able to track down exactly what the dosage protocol was with the uh, cosmonauts in the uh, in the Soviet Union, but based upon Fenibut, it was probably a rather low dosage because if you're a cosmonaut, you do not want to become intoxicated as a cosmonaut. You want to just manage the anxiety a little bit. So they were probably doing like 200, 250, probably 300 milligrams maximum of Fenibut because you do any more than that and it um, it kind of becomes a party drug at a dosage higher than that. But at those lower dosages, even, even at something like 100 milligrams of Fenibut, you could kind of take the edge off um, anxiety if you got like a high pressure job, like going to space. And I also did a little bit of Googling of this and there was a New York Times interview, interestingly enough, that was with a cosmonaut and his name was Alexander Serbrov. And he did a, a record-breaking 197-day space flight. Boy, that's a long time, isn't oh, yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. That would, that would get bored. Think how horny we would get <laughs> if we were like alone. Like if you were there in space with your partner, then you'd have something to do. But if you weren't, you'd just, you'd just be up there no fabbing for 197 days, you know? That must have been rough. With no partner? Yeah, no partner at all. Just with probably uh, uh, Sergey up Sergei? there. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure there was another cosmonaut named Sergey <laughs> that he was up there with. 
And you know, there's they might just start exploring their. I'm pretty sure there's no gayness in this in the USSR. I'm pretty sure they had a rule against that, especially especially during space flight. Okay, so Alexander, he said that um, the drug helped his body to cope with high amounts of stress and physical discomfort that are unavoidable during a long-term space flight. Um, and that it also helped him to eliminate impulsivity and irritability. And I believe, okay, I believe he's talking actually there about the combination of a low dosage of phenobute and phenylparacetam. And phenylparacetam was actually the next thing that Tinfoil Hatter here asked about. And phenylparacetam and phenobute were two drugs. Uh, we recognize them now, we as nootropics, but they were included in the cosmonauts' medical kits. And I actually, one time, I actually combined phenylparacetam and phenobute one time because I, it was, uh, it was New Year's Eve a long, long time ago. And I was on a sober trip. I wasn't drinking any alcohol and, but I wanted to have like an epic New Year's Eve. So I said, you know what I should do is I should combine the phenobute. So I'm in real social mood with phenylparacetam. So I'm like real motivated and energetic. And it, it wasn't the most epic of stacks. Um, nothing, nothing wild happened that night. So I don't really recommend it as a party stack, but I, it, it, it might be a good cosmonaut stack to keep like your anxiety levels low, but to have like a lot of, um, energy. And then what else did Tinfoil Hatter ask me there, babe? Um, what are some of your favorite stacks, if you don't mind my asking? Okay, favorite stacks. I like the, I tend to like the nootropic stacks. The, um, the I really liked the stack Tau. There's the Tau stack. I will link to that in the notes below this podcast because that was a quite good one. There was also Quantum Mind was quite good. Um, here in Europe, there was the nootropic stacks created by that guy Georgi that we met, which was the Ignite stack and uh, Max Focus. Those ones were all quite good. It's it's hard for me to say which one is my very favorite. I also really like the Racetam ones. You are going to want to look into the Paracetam protocol. That's one of that's a stack that I developed and it is very potent if you're into the the quintessential smart drugs, which he probably is because he mentions phenylparacetam. Well, he says that it's the best nootropic he's tried so far. Yeah, a lot of people a lot of people seem to find phenylparacetam to be pretty fantastic. Next and, question. And he's asking, but is it even possible to get it nowadays? Oh, it's becoming trickier and trickier to get phenylparacetam. I will double check and see if there's any sources that are offering that, especially at the kind of quality where they would do there were, I used to have some sources that would do American or European manufacturing with accredited laboratory verification in either 
Europe or America, typically. And that was the kind of standard that I really liked. And I don't know if that's available any longer. I fear it is not. We have a question via email from Cormac. Mm -hmm. Can you please put a comment section at the end of your articles? I think you will find that people might give you interesting ideas. I used to have a I used to have comment sections on my website and comment I love comments uh I really I do enjoy getting comments in fact please do comment on this video wherever you guys and gals are listening to it but comments on the website is a complicated thing because first of all you get a ton of spam so I need to spend time filtering out the spam that's there in the comment section and then you also get trollish comments you get people just uh, people that are not serious and so you have to kind of discern between the people that are making a serious criticism and the people that are just trolling and hating yeah 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 yeah. you get some of those as well and then the comment section also slows down the website. It slows down the loading time on the website. So it hurts the website in the SEO department. And then the final issue that I think finally pushed me over to the edge where I removed the comment section from my website is that if the, if you publish an article with a comment section and then it gets no comments, then it's like, wow. You know, then it's like, yeah, it's, disappointing. it's like, oh, here's a lonely article just hanging out alone. You know, this article is just like a man alone in the desert yelling at the desert on his own. No one else is talking to him. So yeah. if, if people would promise to comment on all my articles, at least one comment, then it would maybe justify having a comment section, but it doesn't. So I just encourage people to uh, comment over on social media. And then if you've really got something you want to share with me, then just drop me an email. And then what else did he say there? Okay. I wanted to leave a skin hack. You can use ozonated oil to firm your skin as a cheap alternative. I live in Brazil, so I buy my ozone oil from a company called Oleozone. They use ozone mixed with sunflower oil. Sunflower absorbs more ozone than all the other oils, therefore it is more effective. You can also use it on hemorrhoids to firm and shrink swollen veins. Did you receive the free SEO website report I sent you? No. <laughs> no, and, and please don't send me free SEO website reports because if you, I, I get a million spammers that send me free website reports, so I can guarantee you I won't respond to you if you send me one of those. Also, babe, what do you think about putting sunflower oil on your skin? Does that sound like a good idea? Uh, we don't cook with that. We don't consume it. Yeah. But who knows what it does for the skin. Uh, is it like uh, coconut oil? Actually, coconut oil doesn't really have a great reputation. Coconut oil is also... I'm a bit skeptical. As far as skin hacks go, I am skeptical about putting oil on the skin. Because, uh, for example, what... Using, diff using these different kinds of oils, they can have uh, antibacterial effects or antifungal effects. And the problem is that 
this can kill off the natural microbiome of bacteria that you actually need on your skin. And then you end up getting the situation where you have the bad bacteria that kind of takes over parts of your skin where you've been applying this oil. And then, and then also sometimes you can develop rashes because you are, cause your skin stops developing oil and sunflower oil is a poofa. And I think probably using uh, ozonated poofas is probably better than standard variety poofa oils, but I still wouldn't do that. And I did Google this, the company this guy mentioned here, Oleazone. He said it's a cheap alternative. And this Oleazone product was like 60 or $70. It was not cheap. Using something like collagen to support your skin health is, I think, going to be more affordable than this Oleazone product. And I did Google it and I did find one study on it where it was very helpful to people with nail fungus. Yeah. You know about nail fungus? Yes, of course. Yeah. So uh, if you have nail fungus, then maybe ozonated sunflower oil is worth it. Uh, at least it wasn't a clinical trial. But otherwise, just as a beauty hack, I would not uh, put sunflower oil on my skin. Next question, babe. Uh, by the way, nail fungus is nearly impossible to cure. Well, uh they found in this study that the oleazone, that the ozonated sunflower oil actually worked pretty good to cure it. Only a 2% relapse rate, according to the study. Oh, well, it's just one study. No, with 400, 400 participants. Oh, okay. 400, think about that, 400 people with toenail fungus. Think how much toenail fungus that is. Like 400 people... They could form like an entire person worth of toenail fungus. Oh, jeez. You know? You could just imagine uh, a terrifying, like anthropomorphized, like toenail fungus that's like chasing, that's like chasing these people around the scientific clinic where they're doing this study. Yeah. Very nice, John. Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that your listeners have just appreciating the visual yes. yeah exactly and they will be sleeping really soundly tonight yes this is the stuff of nightmares <laughs> it can be avoided apparently with ozonated uh good good little factoid okay next question well it comes from timmy on minds.com paracetam according to pubmed i haven't checked out other sources just yet when taken by mouth Paracetam is possibly safe when taken appropriately. Some people who take paracetam have had nausea, vomiting, weight gain, nervousness, and sleep changes. Any thoughts slash observations on that? Yeah. So WebMD, because it, I, I don't want to be too conspiratorial about this, but uh, with paracetam, there is an abundance of evidence of its safety. In fact, if you go around on the internet and you look for side effect reports on paracetam, it's really, it's, it's negative side effects from paracetam are, are pretty rare considering the 
the really popular, considering how popular this one is. So I think WebMD is just painting a pessimistic, uh, pessimistic picture of paracetam because it's a cheap, unpatented drug. And WebMD is yet another whore on its knees before the pharmaceutical companies. Um, and so they are going to, yeah, try to, they're going to, in their subtle way, besmirch um, things that are cheap and unpatented that might compete with really expensive pharmaceutical drugs. Next question. Okay, comes from Punter D on BitChute. Responding to high leverage skill set acquisition. There is a paradox in cold calling where the whole interaction is influenced by do unto others guilt. On one hand, most people with a soul feel with a soul feel bad about making a cold call because they hate it when a telemarketer does that to them. On the other hand, a lot of people won't hang up on a telemarketer because they feel that it's rude and wouldn't want someone hanging up on them. The telemarketer needs to get someone with a weak will or with their guard down so that they can be made enthusiastic and less cautious. I think there is an art to saying no to a telemarketer because it's like saying no to a persistent kid. Have you ever been a telemarketer, babe? No. Okay, it's the job where you call people up on the phone. Oh, wait. Yeah, I have been for like three months. Three months? Yeah. Whoa, you lasted a long time. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. Most people can barely last like a day or two of telemarketing. Yeah. And what did you sell? Broadband and landline. Aha. What? Uh, guilt. Do unto others guilt? This guy has a weird perspective on it. I think you... You might feel guilty about telemarketing or sales because we were talking about say in this podcast. This was actually the podcast I recorded back in the day with my brothers. And we were talking about sales as a skill set. And you, if you're feeling guilty about your selling or your telemarketing, then you're selling the wrong thing. Like, did, did you feel guilty about selling broadband? No. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Well, Not that's good. All. That's good. Yeah, you shouldn't feel guilty. If you're feeling guilty about what you're selling, then go quit your job because there should be, it's really important to have an alignment of um, your of your morals, your conscience, and what you are doing in work. So yeah, uh, if you feel guilty about being a salesperson, then then don't. Then go and find something to sell that you can really believe in, and then you don't have to feel guilty at all, and then you'll end up being a more effective salesperson. And stay tuned on that topic as I'm going to be publishing a, a book review that's gonna be all about sales here Shortly, I think it's gonna it's gonna surprise some people. I've got some real nuggets to extract from this book. Next question comes from Cat King Cat, who responded to skeptical of brain games or IQ training apps. Oh, brain games! My wife's favorite topic. <laughs> she just loves all these endless podcast questions we get about dual and back training. Absolutely. Okay, here's what they said. Each person is an individual and their problems are unique to them. Mainstream medicine has taught people that there is a one size fits 
all treatment, which isn't true. And the only way to study any treatment is to actually listen to the individual and not just brush off what they say as anecdotal evidence. What about the physical health of people in these studies? Someone on a healthy diet who exercises and makes sure they have adequate levels of DHA and nutrients like magnesium are going to do better. People, well, with, people with learning disabilities and those who have had chemotherapy will also respond differently to people who just want to boost their brain capacity. Sure. So he's saying that if people... Oh, for example, have some sort of learning disability or a, a nutrient deficiency, then they're not going to do as well in the brain training task. And I would agree with that. But the what the meta-analysis uh, papers that have been done, and again, a meta-analysis is looking at the data of multiple uh, human clinical studies that are done, the these meta-analyses are very strongly indicating that the dual NBAC training is having transfer effects, that it's increasing people's intelligence uh, capacity beyond merely the game, uh, that it's translating into, into gains that benefit them in life outside of playing the brain game, and that it would do so regardless of uh, regardless of something like a uh, nutrient deficiency i'm sure that there were people in these trials that were some people were probably very healthy like uh, ourselves but then some of the people were probably also dealing with uh yeah yeah maybe they had like too much too much lead in their pipes or something like that and so on a whole statistically it was increasing uh various measures of intelligence in the people that were using it. So as always, when people are skeptical of dual end back or brain games, I just challenge them to go and try them, go and try them for about 20 days and then see if they increase your capacity to think and deduce and focus just a little bit more. And if you give them a shot, I think that you will find that. Okay. Next question, babe. Oh, it is the last question. Oh, the spicy yeah, question. it comes from Reddit. Oh, Reddit. Which subreddit? Relationship advice. Oh, this is a steaming pile of crap. Yes. Of, of crappy relationships. Yeah, the relationship advice is a shit show. Indeed. In okay. In itself, okay. So, here's... Uh, here's the post. Ukrainian fiancé used me and left me after two and a half years. I'm an American who had been in a relationship with my now ex-fiancé, who is Ukrainian, for about two and a half years. About two times in the past year, I've had the luxury of saving up and being able to visit her there and spend time with her. Once for a week, another for a month and a half as an anniversary present. We had made so these plans. are pretty short trips that he's taking there to Ukraine. Well, I think a month, in a, a month and a half max. In a in a separate post in a different subreddit, he says that he has seen her in person six times. Okay. 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 So we had made plans to move in together before the war started. We were hashing out the best place we thought of in Europe. We decided Amsterdam was the best choice for us both. 
I had gone ahead and for the past nine months had been applying regularly daily for different jobs to move there. Fast forward to the war starting. Immediately, I sprung into action and called my brother in the military to ask what my best options were, as well as reaching out to several immigration lawyers to see if we could get her here and we would get happily married. We had previously told immigration lawyers we were ready to take the next step, but the visa process was so long and they didn't enact the ability for Ukrainians to come with sponsorships yet. Oh, yes. He's a sponsor. Mm-hmm. The best option at the time was stressful and intense, but it was to get her out of Ukraine and into Poland. I purchased an Airbnb for an indefinite amount of time there. Whilst Is that an option? Purchasing an Airbnb for an indefinite amount of time? Like, hey, Airbnb, just take all my money. Just take it all, Airbnb. I don't know. I don't remember. I was kicked off Airbnb a long time ago. So I, they, they, they must have new features now. Well, if he makes good money in America, John, I believe that he can afford to purchase Airbnb in Poland. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Although you imagine with all the refugees in Poland, the Airbnb prices have probably gone up like by a lot. Uh, possibly. Yeah. Okay. So once she was there, she wanted to go somewhere less close to the war. So I thought, okay, I want her to get her mind. That's off. understandable, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. want to, yeah, you want distance. I want her to get her mind off the craziness. And so I purchased her way and stay through Milan. Italy, Milan? Italy for yeah, four l- weeks. Yeah, the most expensive, most fashionable did you also like get her a Gucci uh, <laughs> gift card? You know, girls got to do some shopping while she's out there. Milan. Yeah. Four weeks, that equals a month. Indeed. So additionally, we then chose to move her to our would-be final location, Amsterdam. The moment she got there, she would barely ever message me and would be very blunt and never share anymore. Shocking. Immediately, I knew something was up, but I figured I'll ask and make sure everything was okay. She said, yes, just stress trying to settle in. So I thought... She's busy. Sorry, Mm -hmm. so sorry, baby. I'm busy this week. Yes. So I thought not too much of it until another week came around and she was still not communicating with me. This had me worried. By the way, this is a guy in his late 20s. Okay, for a bit of context, yes. Yes. After about two weeks of her being there, I told her I needed to talk to her on the phone. That conversation was hell. She pretty much said she didn't love me anymore and that if I wanted to blame it on anything, I could blame it on the long distance. I was devastated. I still contemplate you know you know what to this day. I went to visit my brother for a bit to clear my mind. About two weeks passed and it's my birthday. I had a very sad birthday and she barely spoke one word to me that day. The next thing that happened is where I drew the line. She was posting with another guy already on Instagram. From Amsterdam to Instagram. From Amsterdam to Instagram. (laughs) The day after my birthday... It was the worst day of my life. 
This ran me down a myriad of mental duress instantaneously. I didn't want to live. I didn't even want to breathe anymore. I wanted the nothingness. I thought, I'm not good enough. Did she really ever love me? She used me and my family. I have a therapist and psychologist I talked to oh, great. to help me out of these daily pits of despair. I'm still battling with my demons. Something to note is that I checked myself in the last three months for STIs mm -hmm. after I got back from her. And I was clear. I was worried because about a year previously, she had told me that she did a test and came back positive for an STI. Wait, what? I was shocked. I immediately apologized for some reason. I yes, thought it was my fault. you should always apologize, bro. No matter what, it's always your fault, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I thought it was my fault. I had been in a relationship previously where the woman gave me something and lied about it to me for months and then I had to go to a doctor and get medication. So I know I'm clear. My only reasonable deduction is she had to have been cheating on me. Do this day, to this day, I blocked her and haven't messaged her since the last one I said. It pertained to something along the lines of, you used me and you never truly loved me, along with, I hope you enjoy your time in the city we planned our future in together. To this day, she used me for over $10,000 to get herself into my favorite city where we planned our future life and kids together and then immediately tossed me out like trash and has a new guy already. I can't help but think that I did not try hard enough to keep my relationship. She seemed to think so and COVID made it hell to try to see each other. Whoa. So this is why I wrote my book, Don't Stick Your Dick in a Blender, How to Meet a Nice Girl Instead from a Tantric Husband with a Better Sex Life Than You. And this is why one of the best chapters of that book is my chapter, real deep dive chapter on uh, dating and marrying exotic foreign women. Because uh, my book is obviously in English, so most of the readers are going to be uh, American, British, Canadian, Australian guys. A couple of those German guys also. And a lot of these guys are interested in escaping the increasingly shitholy, uh, quote-unquote, first world Western countries and going to places like like. Ukraine or possibly uh, Colombia, Philippines, and meeting women that are a bit more traditional. But, but there are a bunch of pitfalls to this. The, this dating abroad thing, trying to make a multicultural relationship like that work, it is a minefield. Uh, there's a lot of ways to go wrong. And this guy in particular, made mistakes on a bunch of different levels. And he was quite naive on a lot of things. What, what kind of mistakes do you think he made from your perspective? Well, first of all, he invested way too much financially. Yes. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet 
that he met her online. Yeah. And then he probably sent her money before he ever met her. That's possible. And then he flew all the way out there to Ukraine to see her spending uh, spending all this money. And so he assumes that him spending all this money, he, he kind of assumes that that is making him more attractive to her. Uh, because, well, she can see that I have the financial means to do all this traveling and come see her. And so, you know, hey, I'd make a good long-term partner. And he's not totally incorrect about that. That does make him attractive to her, but it makes him attractive to her as a provider male, as a guy who's going to do a lot of providing. He is putting himself in a box in her psychological understanding of the uh, male species that is going to be very, that's going to be impossible for him to get out of. And guys that are in that provider male box, they get treated the way that he get treated, that he got treated. What are the mistakes do you think he made? Well, sounds like she never actually was in love with him. Possibly. He was way too naive. He probably bought her a ton, a ton of gifts, mm-hmm. which is a major mistake. Mm-hmm. And he probably didn't invest emotionally enough. Yeah, and he was not really he was not investing enough time either. No, but he could, you know, pay for her Airbnb in Milan for a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. If you're, gents, if you're going to do the trying to date women abroad or trying to get a foreign bride, if you're going to do that thing, you need to actually spend some time with her. I mean, you're considering making this woman your partner in life. So you need to, you need to spend more than a month and a half hanging out with her. I mean, a month and a half, uh, in a, in a new country is that's barely that's just barely enough time to get into kind of a regular cycle of life together where like maybe in the course of spending a month and a half together maybe you'll maybe you'll get to do a laundry together like once uh you'll have like that's just enough time to like do a lot of party like to have a lot of sex and do like some partying together and some going out to like a exotic uh going out to fancy restaurants and going and doing fun stuff. That is not nearly enough time to get into some of the mundane, uh, banal, and even challenging things in life and then see if you two can be a team facing these sorts of things in life. Well, I think, Joan, that um, he was probably that head over heels you know, in love with her just because of the sex and the way yeah. she looks. Yeah. He doesn't actually comment on her looks. I mean, you, I guess, I don't know, I'm assuming like She's that a, she was good looking because most Ukrainian women are pretty good looking. Uh, I assume that since she he's in his late 20s, she's in her early 20s. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. So... Yes, we can assume that she was better looking than the local women in his state. Certainly, yeah. 
Yeah, that's what we can assume. Yeah. And I don't think he took the time to get to know her better. He probably only knew her pretty much on a physical level. Yeah, and then they were probably also doing a lot of Skyping. So there's kind of the chance with the Skyping. I mean, you can achieve or some... text messaging, John. Probably text, a lot of text texting. messaging, too. You can achieve some emotional intimacy via Skype. You can have, like, deep conversations about... Th- but it's just not the same. It's not the same as actually spending time together. So, yeah, if you're... If you're Guys make this mistake where they're like, okay, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to work really hard in my job and make a bunch of, make a bunch, save up two or $3,000 so that I can go and fly out and go and see some woman that I'm talking to halfway around the world. But then, but they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're not spent, they're not actually sp- spending enough time there. What I did was, what I did was totally different was that I was a digital nomad. And so I, um, I made less money, but I had the freedom with my time and I had the freedom, you know, to come here and for us to spend, uh, what, how long were we dating before we got married? Year, year and a half? A year and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to spend a whole year and a half, really get to know you uh, and properly evaluate you. Same here. And and if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're just working your ass off and saving up money so that you can go and spend uh, four weeks of, uh, of sex and dining out at restaurants with some lady halfway around the world, you're, you're really not getting to know her. And so, uh, but you would be madly infatuated and you would think yeah. that you loved her. Yeah. It's, it's a recipe for that intoxication of the hormones, right? Yeah. But it's just the sex and her looks as soon as that fades. You will come down to earth. Yeah. And you will see all of the person's uh, shortcomings. Yeah. So, okay. And then the other thing that I was taught, that I was telling you about was, okay, so there was a, I'm going to find the name of this story. I'll link this below. There was an event that occurred in World War II, okay, during wartime, where the United States had captured a bunch of Nazis in the war. Okay, like Nazi soldiers. And then we moved those Nazi soldiers over to the United States because they were, they were captured soldiers and you got to keep POW somewhere. So they, they kept them like somewhere nearby, some kind of like farming community or someplace like that in the US. And then they had the Nazis... Um, basically, I think they had them do like farming stuff, you know, cause you, you gotta have POWs do something. So they kind of like enslaved them and made them like help, help out the community with their farming. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is the local American women started sleeping with the Nazis. They started sleeping with the Nazi, with the enemy, which is kind of, that's kind of wild. Um, but this is a pretty, this is a well understood, um, factor of female psychology, which is that in wartime, women have a loyalty switch that gets 
switched off because of um, history, because for thousands and thousands and thousands of years throughout history, whenever there was a major war happening, women needed to, for the purposes of their own survival, women needed to be able to rapidly switch their loyalties. Because if you were a woman and your tribe was taken over by another tribe of men and they killed your husband and they killed your brothers and your fathers. Mm -hmm. If you didn't submit to one of those men from the other tribe that came in, if you didn't submit, then you would be immediately killed off also. So the genes that have survived into modernity are the genes of women that made a really, really difficult decision. And so this guy was especially naive to, during wartime, especially if, if his woman's country is invaded, he should have been there right by her side. He should have, he should have taken however much money he had and flown right out there to go and see her. And then, cause, and he did, he did rescue her, right? He, he got her out of Ukraine into, into Poland and then into, into Milan. So he did rescue her, but it's, it's a real damn shame because what he could have done was he could have dropped all of his stuff. He probably has some job that he thinks is very important. He should have, he should have dropped his job and his, his life there, wherever he is in America, I think, and flown out there and rescued her and then gone with her to Amsterdam or wherever. And then in her mind, she would have had this cinematic romantic, um, narrative of him flying out and rescuing her from this terrible war, right? But that's not what he did. All he did was send her was send her money that, so that she could be safe and so that she could go and live um, in these uh, rather fabulous cities all on her own. And so while she is out of the way of harm at this point, she got into Poland and then uh, Italy and then uh, Amsterdam, she's not in danger of the war anymore. But she is still watching things on TV every day about the war. And she's hearing from her friends and family about the war every day. So she is still in a psychological state of war. So, of course, her loyalty to him goes right out the window. I mean, she, a lot of people reading this would assume that this is like, that she's some awful slut. And maybe she was. But maybe she wasn't because. Yeah, but she cheated on Kim Jong with the STI episode. Remember? That's a little bit unclear as to whether that was an STI that she may have had previously to their relationship. But that was that was also a red flag that he just kind of sped past. Was her getting yeah her getting an STI um, or having like. If you're dating someone and they had an STI from a previous relationship, that should, if you're considering marrying the person, that would be a thing where you'd want to figure out a little bit of like, what, what happened there? How, how, why did you get an STI? Why did that relationship fail? Why did you choose a person, a person like that? But, um, okay, what? else was in here. Yeah. And the other thing absurd too, is how much money he was spending Milan and Amsterdam. 
It's an indefinite Airbnb. An indefinite Airbnb. What he should have done was he should have he he should have uh, he probably say he saved up a lot of money that he spent. Obviously, he said ten thousand dollars here. He should have gone out there with her and then gone to stay in a less expensive country, like uh, Milan and Amsterdam. Like go and look up the Airbnbs there. These those those are like hundred dollar a day Airbnbs in those kind of cities. Like he, he could have tried Slovakia. Yeah, it could have or or here in Bulgaria where it's safe. Or he could have he could have found some. <laughs> this is if this guy was a little bit more red pilled. This is what he would do. He'd look up. He'd look up cities. He'd look up a list of cities in Europe. And he'd order the cities by the cities that have the most pensioners in them. He'd order the cities by what cities have like the most old, boring old people in them with like zero nightlife and like, uh, and like not, not very much like fun things to do in the city. And then like figured out what was like the most boring city that was very affordable to live in in Europe and then been like, Hey, babe, I've got you an Airbnb for the next six months. I figured out where you're going to live and you're going to be perfectly safe. Well, she would have said, but I don't want to go there because it's so boring. Right. But then she wouldn't have cheated because he's sending her. He's sending her to like these like cities that are like major hookup cities. <laughs> so what is he expecting? He should have sent her to like a city with a bunch of old pensioners and like where, yeah, where the most fun she would have is talking to him on Skype. I'm pretty sure, John, that she picked out Milan for herself. Ah, uh, yeah, I bet. I bet you're right. I, I bet you're right. I promise you, it wasn't his suggestion. It was her suggestion. He probably asked her, hey, where in Europe do you want to go? And she was like, uh, Milan? <laughs> Why not? Maybe, maybe it was, you know, a dispute between Milan and Paris. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another, another fabulous, fab- or Barcelona. Barcelona. Barcelona, Barcelona was probably and in London. Probably in the running, too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, I think that you know, um, Italians are the the safest, the safest option." <laughs> <laughs> so, gents. Please at least read the chapter in my book about dating uh, foreign women before you spend a lot of time and money trying to do it and likely getting screwed over royally like this guy did. Because um, in my book, I break down with a bunch of different case studies and data. I break down all these different things that men are often naive about, especially when it comes to doing their dating and marrying abroad. And then you can anticipate, you know, having a lovely marriage more like we have and less like this guy that just lost two and a half years of his life and $10,000. So next Let's get into the calls that I did. Hey, Caleb. So how's your day going there? Pretty good, Jonathan. Are you uh, caffeinated? No, no, I've been uh, been off caffeine for a little while. Aha, 
Aha. Wait, is there a particular reason you went off caffeine? Yeah. Um, so about, gosh, seven, six, seven months ago, I found out I had Lyme disease. Um, oh. And one of the things that um, one of the practitioners I'm working with right now recommended was to cut caffeine among many other food groups um, that seem to be very uh, sensitive and feed uh, the Lyme bacteria in my body. And do you feel like you're making, making progress on it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'm fortunate where I'm young and healthy and um, didn't have any other chronic illnesses to kind of uh, plague me. Um, so slowly, but surely it's kind of like a month by month thing. You know, my adrenals have started to kind of come back a little bit more in line. Um, let's see, my, my GI issues have seemed to clear up a little bit more. Um, and I'm just overall managing kind of stresses throughout the day, just better week by week, month by month. Slowly Fantastic. Yeah, I know it's a, a monu- it's a Sisyphean challenge, or can seem like it sometimes to overcome uh, to overcome Lyme. It's uh yeah, it's kind of it's a reason to be paranoid of like going hiking in the mountains. Is is that how you got it? I have no idea. Um, you know where I got it. It's it's bizarre. You know, about two and a half years ago, I had. Uh, the same symptoms, the same sort of thing pop up. I got really sick one day and I had it only for about a month and it just cleared up on its own. I thought it was a parasite. I thought it was all these other things. I couldn't really figure it out. Um, And then, you know, I was overworking my body a little over a year ago, kind of spring, winter of 2021. um, And I just overdid it. I was just going gung-ho working a, a physical manual labor job as well as doing uh, lifting at the gym and I just was not listening to my body that compromised my immune system. And then kind of just everything popped out the Epstein bars, the candidas, the, the Lyme Bartonella as well. And so I've just been dealing, dealing with that uh, ever since. And then it, it took a few months to figure out what exactly was wrong with me, but after enough tests and, um, enough, uh, kind of working with other sort of alternative holistic providers, I, I figured out what was wrong and, um, I was already kind of treating it anyway when I did know. So I was, I was kind of fortunate to get a little bit of a head start um, as opposed to some very unfortunate people that seem to go years without understanding yeah. what's wrong with them happens. All yeah. The time. Yeah. Yeah. They really get in trouble once it kind of entrenches itself in their system like that. So you picked up the IC pad from Infopathy. Have you received it there yet? I did. I got it right here. Oh, nice. And, and um, give me your honest impressions of it so far. You know, it's definitely like making a subtle difference. I've been doing, let's see, I've been doing imprints of both Lyme and Candida as well as Artemisia. Um, Artemisia is uh, an herb that my Chinese medicine doctor has recommended to me in the past. So I've just tried imprinting on that. I did one day where I did um, an imprint of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin mm-hmm. uh, as well as artemisia. And that seemed to give a Herx um, reaction. Um, really? That, yeah, it, it seemed to, or it just, it made me feel a little bit more inflamed up here, similar to when I had taken the actual prescription medicine. It could have been placebo effect. I'm not really sure. I just know that it gave me the same sort of reaction as to actually taking the actual pill itself. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of trippy, isn't it? When you're like, wow, this should just be water, but it's uh, having an effect somewhat yeah. like the pharmaceutical. Exactly. Um, and I've noticed with the PEMF, I did, oh goodness. Um, what was it? The, oh, adrenal cortex. And, you know, cause I had like definitely an adrenal flare up the other night. I woke up the next morning and I did that and I put it right on my sternum and it definitely like, I could feel it kind of pulsing through my body and making a subtle, but noticeable difference for sure. Be- beneficial difference. Nice. Nice. And have you tried any of the uh, nootropic infaceuticals? Are those doing anything for you? I have not. I just got this a week ago um, and I've just kind of gone down the the Lyme adrenal rabbit hole, but I'm very, very new to this. I, I'm very ignorant on kind of everything else uh, related to infoceuticals. Sure, sure. So I have to admit, I'm not an expert on Lyme. I did, I did one podcast interview with a guy a while back, another guy who had Lyme, and then he eventually got over it doing a bunch of different, doing a bunch of different nootropics. And um, he was even doing the, uh, what was, what did he swear by? He swore by MK677. Have you ever heard of, have you ever heard of that one? I have not. Okay. Okay. I'm going to email you this podcast because you, you've probably already listened to a million podcasts online, but I'm going to, I'm going to say <laughs> one more. Okay. it's on my newsfeed every morning on my Instagram. It's probably on my Twitter feed. It's, it's everywhere. Oh, geez. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's one of those things you got to kind of become like, and you, you need to like basically to be a PhD on Lyme to get over Lyme. So um, yeah. Cause he was talking about MK677 and that was like his personal NZT48. He said that that stuff was a really brilliant uh, nootropic, uh, all around holistic performance enhancer. Although it's perhaps maybe a little bit more of a higher risk nootropic. So it might not be, it, probably not the kind of thing I would like recommend that someone use all the time. Although I think, right. let me double check and see if there's an infaceutical for that one. Because basically I, w- I will use the infaceuticals in several different capacities. I'll yeah. use them for uh, nootropic purposes. And then I will use them. Yeah, MK677 peptide. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Give this one a try. I'm okay. going to send you the link to it. You actually don't need to take any notes because I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm taking notes on everything we're talking about. My is only so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially after Lyme. If your memory's there at all after Lyme, then you're doing better than a lot of folks. Yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate for that. So, uh, yeah, so with the, so with the IC pad, you can use it as a performance, you can use it as a cognitive enhancer. And so as a cognitive enhancer, you would want to, and for you, I'm a little bit, every once in a while, I'm a little bit envious of people that aren't using caffeine because you become more sensitive to the stimulants. particularly if you do a uh, fast and you, you probably do some fasting, right? 
I've done in the past. I, I've been meaning to get into it more recently, um, but I haven't. I haven't done fasting for a little while now. Aha! Is is that one of those things they recommend for for getting over Lyme? I think it can be beneficial. Um, I I know fasting has all these benefits, uh, regardless of of kind of your condition anyway, um, and it is good for the immune system. But it could, it could be, it's something that, that I need to experiment with in order to like really understand what it'll do to me. Just like do a 24 hour, 48 hour fast. But I've just, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't had the wherewithal to kind of like, you know, go gung ho at that, right? I like my food. Yeah, yeah, same here. I don't suggest <laughs> diving right in with a 48 hour. That's right. uh, a 48 hour is pretty intense. I suggest like, yeah, starting with the intermittent and then doing a doing a 24 hour fast and i think i notice myself i notice the subtleties of the effects of the infaceuticals a bit more on those 24 hour mm. fasts so it's uh yeah it's worth trying for that for that purpose alone and then there's probably there is there's probably some benefit uh to to fighting Lyme that fasting infers, you know, when you're, when you're, system... I, I would think so. Go I ahead. Would think so. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. Sorry to mention yeah. Oh yeah. All good. Yeah. So just kind of like something to maybe add to your list of uh, biohacking stuff to try. So the, so the IC pad, um, you can use it as a performance enhancer and then you can, I would, you mentioned you go to the gym. Are you, you're hitting the gym regularly? Not, not recently. Not, not the last year. Ah, okay. Okay. And that, that makes sense. So, but maybe when you get back in there, you can try the uh, workout uh, performance ICs. Cause I've noticed a little bit of an uptick in my gym performance on oh. those. Like there was the, um, my favorite gym supplement pre-gym supplement is hmb and i noticed uh yeah even using the ic for it i noticed there was a little bit of an uptick in my in my gym performance i'm kind of wary of things that infer like a dramatic uptick in gym performance because right. i'm worried about uh yeah about like just pushing my muscles uh a little bit too far because of some pharmacological thing that's giving me uh, confidence and yeah. then uh, sustaining an, an injury. So, but I did notice uh, with, with the, with something like HMB or with, with like a creatine, I noticed that these would give me a little bit more, uh, a little bit more power in the gym, which is always, which is always cool. And then I would also use the infaceuticals I'd use them before meditation. Do you, do you experiment with meditation, mindfulness stuff? I do. I definitely do. Okay. Okay. Do you have any other, do you have any other mindfulness tech, any cool toys, tools, stuff that you're into in that department? No, I've been, I've been trying to practice uh, Vipassana uh, meditation. Um, I got into it a number of years ago and I've kind of gotten back into it more with, with my Lyme disease. Um, I do Tai Chi as well. Um, just kind of here and there, I have done more of a structured class type of Tai Chi in the past, just to kind of work on balance and flow and 
um, kind of moving a little bit more slowly um, and more methodically. Um, but nothing in the way of uh, like an electrical device that I've been working with uh, for meditation and mindfulness. Okay. Yeah, right on. So I suggest drinking the psilocybin, drinking like the psilocybin okay. I see for meditation. And it has, it has kind of a cool effect. I notice, I notice something. I notice something from that. I'm not like hallucinating, but I definitely notice it has a, it has a cool kind of effect. So uh, yeah, I'd suggest psilocybin for that. And then um, using, and then I will use infaceuticals like the happy water or the phenibut at, at dinner. I'll use them as like a alternative for a glass of uh, wine. Right. And they kind of, yeah, I find they kind of take the edge off and I'll be like, yeah, I'll be kind of like joking. Yeah. I, I act a little bit more like I would if I had a bit to drink. And then did you listen to that, that recent interview that I did with Anton, where we got into a few more specifics of using the device? No, I just listened to the, the first one they had on Odyssey, um, I think from a couple weeks ago. And then I also watched uh, the webinar with uh, Daniel uh, from last weekend. Oh, right on. Okay, yeah, they went real in depth there. Okay, so you probably have a pretty good handle on how to, on how to use the device, on what to do with the water, on how to, um, optimize, how to uh, optimize the effect from it or do you got some questions around there maybe i've been using like a small glass bottle um and then shaking it up vigorously for 10 seconds and then putting it on um yep. and then running a transfer i don't know if there's anything more that i that i need to do with that yep um and then you want to keep it a little bit little bit cool or okay. or have it a little bit cool before the transfer i know like during the summertime it can get kind of hot uh, and that heat is not exactly optimal for the imprinting of the ICs on the water. Right. And then, and then if possible, uh, you may have seen this, they're, 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 they created this uh, EMF blocker uh, sleeve that goes around the bottle. I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten one of those, but on my, one of the things he explained to me is that, uh, is that Wi-Fi kind of messes with the ICs, which is, that's, that's what you would expect from a shortwave, really shortwave um, EMFs like that. So I'm, I'm gonna do some experimentation here on my end with uh, turning off my Wi-Fi and then imprinting the ICs. And, and I wanna see if there's, there, there might be a better effect from that. I don't know. This is kind of one of these things that I'd like to, maybe, maybe you'll join me in experimenting with that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, no, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of logic behind that thought, you know? Yeah. 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 Cause, cause Wi-Fi is kind of, Wi-Fi is a pretty strong kind of EMF field. That's why uh, they advise that you turn off your Wi-Fi before going to sleep at night. And that seems to improve uh, most people's, most people's sleep. I know, um, yeah, it's one of those subtle things, but I, I, we make sure to do it. We make sure to do it here. Unfortunately, I have, I have yet to figure out a way to uh, convince all my neighbors to turn off their Wi-Fi simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. That becomes a problem. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to invent some kind of like computer virus that you can release onto your uh, network for your for your building, and then you know put you in charge of everyone else's Wi-Fi routers, and then turn them all off at the same time, and make sure they don't find out. You know, right. I'll, 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 once I figure out how to do that, I'll be sure to uh, I'll be sure to offer it to the Limitless Mindset community. Yeah. So are there any uh, questions that you've got about biohacking, nootropic stuff that you haven't really found good answers to that maybe I could uh, help with? Let me, I guess, like, do you do do anything, I guess, regarding like putting on like your head somewhere for um, any sort of PEMF uh, frequencies that you've used in the past and had success? And like, do you place on a different part of your head or is there anything kind of a thought around that, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. Do you have the IC Hummer? No, I've got the IC pad. Oh, okay. So I do put the IC Hummer on the back of my head um, so that it, it kind of is uh, directing the the waves into the corpus callosum area of the lower kind of back of my brain. And I've been, I've tried that with, there's a spectrum of brain waves that you've probably heard of. There's the stimulating ones, which is alpha, beta, gamma, and then the relaxing and sleep ones, which are theta, theta and delta. And um, so I have so what I'll do is I'll attach it to the back of my head and then I'll sit down and I'll read a book and I'll do the gamma wave, which is the concentration wave. And it'll help me to get through like dense, some dense reading material. I was, I was reading this book, the blue ocean strategy. It's a business book, but God, it is a boring book. Like they took yeah. this topic in business and just made it as boring as possible. Um, so I've been needing to uh, enhance my uh, my gamma state <laughs> uh, to get through to get through that one. Um, and so I'll do that for like 40 minutes because um, they that was the length. It was an audible IC. It's one of the audible ICs okay. that you can actually you can actually listen to it via your headphones. Um, and you, yeah, so you'll have access to that because your brain, your brain can entrain based upon a electromagnetic pulsed field or just based upon me, just based upon music. And I'm actually not certain, I'm actually not sure which is most, which is most effective. Um, I know I've also done both. I've done a gamma wave with both the audio and with the, uh, and with the device attached to my head. And I'm not sure if that has a more significant effect than just attaching the device to my head. So this, this would become a bit tricky with the, you can attach the IC pad to your head. I, I, don't, see, I don't see any problem with that because the electromagnetic waves that it's putting out there are these slow kinds of electromagnetic waves. They're the, the, kind of, the kind of EMF waves that are, I think, fine for our, our brains and potentially right. uh, beneficial for our brains. Um, but you'd have to find some way to strap it to your head. head. The yeah, other device- all this and... Yeah, I mean, you, you, unless you want to hold it up there. Yeah, or, or you, you could, 
this is probably what you'd want to do is do a meditation session where you're lying down and you have it on the back of your head and then do, do like a, yeah, do like a gamma wave, do the audible gamma wave um, for about 30 minutes into the back of your head, laying on it. And, Mm -hmm. and you're a experienced meditator. So you'll be able to tell if it's making like a big difference. And if it's making like, if it's making a big difference, then um, you might want to go to the trouble of, uh, I don't know, figuring out some sort of, uh, some sort of way to strap that thing to your head, like while you're, while you're yeah. working. Um, otherwise you just have to get the IC Hummer, which works uh, pretty good for that. Yeah. I'll look for some bands lying around and see if I can <laughs> just do a, a sort of Jerry rig around my own head. Yeah, I'm thinking about back in the day when I used to do Taekwondo and we would wear these helmets. We'd wear these styrofoam helmets because we'd get kicked in the head. And like that would work perfect. Uh, an IC pad would be able to fit like perfectly yeah, right in, in there. Yeah. Into that. But that, that would really be taking the, the dorkiness to the to the next <laughs> level. We're pushing it to the limit. Wear that around town. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Why, why not? Why not? People, people do all sorts of strange things out in public nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you uh, read or listened to any of uh, Anthony Clementi's stuff online? No, I have not. Okay. You know who I'm talking about? No. Okay. I'll email you. Okay. This is another biohacker, but he had Lyme. He had mm-hmm. Lyme. Um, I am fortunate to never have had it. Um, he had it and he said that he, he said that he figured out a pretty effective protocol for it. It was, it was something involving, um, I think he was doing like some really intense sauna sessions. That makes sense. Where, yeah. And I think what he he said something about like going to Germany and doing some sort of wild treatment there in Germany, I think. Um, but it was, I remember there was, there was like a lot of, there, there was some sort of protocol where you were, yeah, like subjecting yourself to like a lot of heat and getting those heat shock proteins really fired up and that that was kind of like burning the infection out of the system. But it, it, he dealt with it and it sounded like he had a pretty good protocol. So all I'm going to, I'm going to organize an email here based upon a few things that we've talked about, and then I'll send this email to you. Okay. Awesome. Have a great weekend there. All right. Thanks so much, Jonathan. You too. Thanks. So you picked up the, the IC pad on my recommendations, correct? Yeah. Well, personally. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't exactly hear about infopathy from you. I heard about it on another podcast. I don't exactly remember which one, but then after hearing about it, it sounded interesting and i went then i went to youtube to see if anybody who i knew like any kind of biohacking people who i knew of or had, had seen before had used it and had um, reviews of it and i found your video and i found i think i found ben greenfield's podcast and i'd seen some of your videos before so i was somewhat familiar with with yourself so i watched those and then i said okay this is worth a try so yeah so then i bought it right on and you've received it give me your honest impressions of it so far what do you yeah, think so i've got let's say i got it about uh, so today is friday i think i got it about uh, maybe tuesday or wednesday of last week and i only started using i only signed up for the uh, the full package you know the subscription this monday because i like to start new kind of habits on a monday uh, that's just a little quirk of mine 
And so I've only really been using it for like about four or five days now. And it seems pretty cool. The, the, and st- some of the ICs don't really have any immediate impact, but it's just like taking the supplements of those ICs, you, like um, uh, some simple different supplements like uh, amino acids or something like that. You're not going to feel amazing just the moment you take them. And so some of the ICs I've taken really haven't had much of an effect at all that was noticeable in the moment, but I wouldn't have expected them to have. One thing that I, the main thing that um, has had the biggest effect is this kind of a, a, a mixture that I've kind of put together myself for focus. And I found that I found this to be really quite, um, quite intense and in, in, or yeah, quite intense and effective insofar as I've taken it a couple of evenings uh, when I wanted to do some more work and study after about 5 p.m. and I was feeling a little bit tired and it really put me or at least after I can't say it put me into a state where but after drinking it, I felt a very, uh, very into my work and into my study. I like I didn't want to get dragged away from it. I just didn't want to do anything else. You know, I didn't want to be distracted. I just wanted to, to keep going at it. And I was really enjoying the bits of work and bits of study that I was doing. So I've noticed that a couple of times. And that's been the biggest the most noticeable effect I've had. Oh yeah. And also actually I've taken a couple of sleep and different kind of sleep concoctions and I've gotten to sleep very quickly, but it's only been a few nights. Like, you know, I often get to sleep very quickly anyway. So it's a bit early to say whether those are really effective or not, but I've been able to get to sleep very quickly every night since I started taking these sleep cocktails. Sure. And what are the ingredients of the stack you created for focus? I'm curious about that. Yeah, so you know, you know how they say um, that when you start, you should just use like one or two ingredients, and definitely not more than six. Yeah, did you break that rule? Yeah. <laughs> completely, completely. So uh, let's see how many. Uh, I think I've got about eighteen different things here. Eighteen, because uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, something like that. So I go through them all if you want. And um, so paracetam, phenylalanine, methylene blue. Uh, lion's mane, roasted coffee bean, theanine, vitamin B6, um, gut guard, which I took, I took something called gut guard, which I took because there was one, uh, or I added in, in, I should say, because there was something in it. I think it was licorice or licorice or something. Licorice root was in, was part of that. Yep. And I wanted to put that in as well. Uh, Hooper's, I never know how to pronounce this. Is it a Hooperzine? Hooperzine? Hooperzine, yep. eh? Uh, vitamin C, D3, L-tyrosine, taurine. Um, Let's see, alpha GPC and phosphatidylcholine and yerba mate. And so, yeah, so I just, yeah, I couldn't resist. Okay. I, mean, I couldn't resist. Maybe I'm going, like, I think in a, in a few weeks, I might go back and do things like more to the book and just stick with um, a small number, taking a small number of ICs together at one time. But as my, as my, as my first week, I, I kind of wanted to go crazy a little bit. And um, sure, sure. sure. And I knew it wasn't going to do any one. harm. You know, these things are these things are not going to kill me, or they're not going to do any any harm anyway. So I, I tried no. I tried this mega one, and it seems to be it seems to have worked pretty pretty well. Yeah, sure. Send that over to me, and I'll try it. Okay, okay, I'm, okay. Cool. I'm 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 curious. Yeah. So of course, um, with for example, like I took the supplement C60 for a while, mm-hmm. and I took. I took C60 source from like a really, uh, one of the really high-end sources. And I just didn't notice that much from C60. I was like, well, maybe I'm sleeping like 
a little bit better. It was kind of one of those supplements that I just took because I was confident that it was good for me. And some of the infaceuticals are like that. Certainly, you're not really going to feel much from them. Like the digestion ones. My my wife seems to like the digestion ones because she can have some challenges with digestion every once in a while. Although I I can't tell. I can't tell anything from the from the digestion ones. However, to get at one of the questions that you had here, which is like, which one of these do you really notice? Um, is the okay, so there was a couple of the of the nootropic of the nootropic ones, which was, which is like paracetam. Yeah. And what I did was there's several ingredients that share synergies with paracetam, classic paracetam cofactors. And so mm -hmm. I put those into a, uh, a custom IC. I just called it the paracetam protocol. And I okay. think it's actually attain some popularity on their, on their, on their platform. And so that oh, you one, made it public, did you? Yeah, 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 I did. Okay, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, the next one you said, have you, have you had much success with the PMFs or transferring the ICs into creams or coconut oil? Okay. You know what? Actually, let's see, I'll answer the second one first. Okay. Something that I tried to do I've, I've, I've heard of screen cream on several different podcasts. Have you ever heard of this? Never. No. Okay. Screen cream. What it is, it's, uh, as its name implies, it's a orgasm enhancer. Oh, okay. For women. Okay. I've heard of, I've heard, yeah, I've heard of the concept. I just haven't heard of that. That's a brand name, I guess. Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a great brand name. Isn't, okay, it, isn't it though? Yeah, yeah. Like you're probably you're probably pulling out your your credit card right now, looking to looking to pick some up, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I'll get I'll get a cheap one off Tobo or something. Yeah. Um. Well, actually, the screen cream stuff is hard to find. It's it's hard okay. to find, and so what I did, so I was like, you know what? Uh, and what screen cream does is it um it it's actually it's cream that is um kind of rubbed into the uh, pussy and mm -hmm. it contains a bit of testosterone and then a few other okay. things. And so it cut like administering a little bit of uh, topical testosterone can it, yeah. apparently I have been told that it's a really fantastic orgasm intensifier for the fairer sex. Yeah. So that's not I, surprising. Yeah. So I was looking at the, uh, ICs that were out. I looked at the ingredients of uh, screen cream. It's actually kind of hard to get. You would think you would think it'd be like widely available, but it's actually kind of tricky to get your hands on. And so I looked at the ingredients of it, and several of the ingredients of it are actually in the Infopathy database. I see. And so, okay. yeah. And so I stacked I stacked those ICs, and then I imprinted those onto my norm onto our normal lube that we use. Okay. And oh boy, I, I, I think that was a pretty good night. I'm not sure if it was like an outstanding result. You know, th okay. th this, I need to I run guess, this experiment again. Do, 
your performance is probably so high level, Jonathan, that it's probably hard to tell. You know, it's exactly. Probably hard exactly. To, yeah, yeah. Precisely. That's the problem. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, but it, it yeah, but it, it obviously um, it probably had at least a small effect on anyway, it. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it did, and I because it, it should have that effect. I think what we tried was we tried putting the school like squeezing out the lube into a glass into a glass cup, and then putting the glass cup on the IC imprinter pad. Yeah. And okay. I, I'm not sure if you'd actually need that because I think it's it's more so the uh, electromagnetism of the IC pad that does the imprinting. So you could probably actually just put the lube directly onto the IC pad. And then you mean put the put the put the plastic bottle or put the actual liquid? The plastic bottle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Although it might be, it might be probably the ideal way to do it would be to put the lube into a plat into a glass container and then put the glass container on top of it. That that's where that's okay. This is something. Thank you for reminding me of this because I'm going to experiment with this a little bit because if 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 we can make a downloadable scream cream, a thing, mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. you know, right, we'll be billionaires. You will be on our yacht, you know, we'll be on our, we'll be on dual yachts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like racing. Yeah. With a, with a, with a, with a bunch, with a bunch of uh, very satisfied supermodels. Right, uh, well, right. 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 Well, I'm married, so I'm not interested. In yeah. This, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd yeah. be fitting. It'd be fitting. <laughs> yeah. Just for, <laughs> just for the Instagram videos and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to answer your other question, have you had success with the PMS? Yeah. The in some respects, the PMF uh, device has seems to have more direct effects. Yeah. So the yeah. PMF. Uh, yeah. So I can kind of use it as a as a concentration enhancer, as okay. a uh, as a sleep and relaxation thing, or yeah. it also works pretty good for um assuaging soreness of the eyes okay after okay. a long day of work on the computer okay okay yeah tension can kind of build up around the eyes yes yeah. yeah 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 and there was an ic called fascia pain fascia pain okay. mm-hmm. and so i would run that on, i would do that on my eyes and it would relieve quite a bit of strain that's my, cool. Because okay. otherwise, after after like a nine, 10 hour day on the computer, I'll mm-hmm. I'll definitely have eye strain for like a good okay. hour or 90 minutes at the end of the day. So I would use that mm-hmm. IC and that would relieve it in uh, that's cool. Yeah, in short, in short order. So I was happy with that. But th- that reminds me actually, I've used some of the audibles as well for uh, for the different brainwaves. Well, especially for focus. I can't remember what is is it beta or no? I'm not sure what is the um the brainwave that you want to get into gamma when, uh, gamma for concentration gamma. thank you yeah 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 thank you um, and i've used that i've used the audible and that seems to work pretty well yeah it seems to work pretty it seems to be a similar effect to like brain fm and um, i would say and i think brain of brain brain fm is quite effective and they seem to be probably as effective yeah yeah brain fm is awesome okay yeah. let's see to run through a couple of your other questions here was you were saying what is the best for the money best for the money supplements outside of creatine 
and magnesium. And you're you're like a digital nomad guy, kind of, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, like how long how long have you been here in Bulgaria? Like a couple of months? No, um less than a month. Less than a month. And I'm leaving next week. So I'll just be here for like a month altogether. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So you're just you're just globe trotting around on tourist visas, basically. Uh, yeah, I have been for yeah most of the last six or seven years. And yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, the last two years I spent most of my time in Mexico. But uh, yeah, before that I was moving around a fair bit. Aha! Right on, right mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so you're looking for what are like some supplements that you could that are good value and that you could conceivably mm-hmm. like get in these different in these different. Places. I suppose so, so. Yeah. Yeah. Or like um, uh, people. Um, like people who know a lot about supplements and um, yeah, people who know a lot about supplements, generally they recommend different supplements for different people based on their requirements and based on the, the maybe health problems that the person has. But at the same time, there are also some things that it's pretty safe to say nearly everybody would benefit from taking. Maybe creatine is creatine and magnesium are probably two examples of those, I guess, maybe vitamin K2 and stuff like that might be another one. Um, but so are there any others that you think you'd it'd probably be a pretty good idea for almost everybody to take? Sure. Oh, it's hard to say things that are good for almost everybody, like uh, something obvious, like vitamin D3. However, to, yeah. what I might suggest to you is uh, nicotine. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's been on that's been uh, on my list. Yeah. And yeah, I've got a question about that. So so yeah because i've heard a lot of people talk about about especially for writing i i've heard that from a few different people how it's really good for for the process of writing and that and i do i do a fair bit of writing so it would be cool and but i haven't tried it so can i to to get to get nicotine can i just go to like a a local chemist and get those nicotine gum um products that that people take to to quit smoking will that or, or do i need to get like a special nicotine supplement do you think okay so yeah, there's, there's Nicorette, uh, you're talking yeah. about Nicorette, Nicorette and exactly. you, yeah, you could get that. Um, it's not, I, I don't find that it's a great value. What I suggest is getting, uh, like a five, 5% to 7% nicotine boosters from vape shops, which are, uh, oh, I which see. Are basically yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Okay. 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 Very good. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, they're easy to find and nicotine boosters. Are they like, um, what, like, is that like a gum or what is that? Yeah. It's, it's a solution. It's, okay. it's a, it's, it's either a PG or a VG solution, uh, propenal glycol okay. or a vegetable vegetable glycol is, 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 I think okay. what, what, what is, what is called. And, um, so nicotine and nicotine is, something you probably don't want to make it like a, like a, a permanent part of your, well, it's, it would be easy to make it a permanent part of your, uh, biohacker life hacker stack of tools, yeah. but you really do need to cycle it. Like, yeah. um, like, like you use it for like a month or maybe two months and then take a month or two off of it. I think, I think personally I've been off of nicotine for, Oh geez, like like four months now. I'm I'm doing a larger okay. cycle off of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you've got if you got like a writing project 
or a, yeah. a particularly cognitive demanding project that you need to dive into and mm-hmm. you need a really good cognitive enhancer that's cheap and maybe yeah maybe you're in some country where you can't easily order the best of the best nootropics yeah. uh, pick up yeah. some nicotine and then yeah. and then you just take a little drop underneath okay. underneath the tongue and it okay. tastes awful it tastes like a punch really? in the throat but okay. it is uh it'll really stimulate you for 90 minutes two hours and then Fantastic. over time over time you build up a tolerance to it and then okay. uh yeah you find yourself doing more and more and more and then you got to quit for a month or two and then your tolerance goes 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 back down so would, yeah would, that's do you think do you think you would build up a tolerance to it if you only took it like one or two days a week? If you have the self-control to limit yourself one to two weeks. Well, I was thinking like I would probably just, because I don't write every day. I only write maybe two days a week generally. So maybe kind of um, just using it on days that I write might be a good way to, to go about it. Yeah, sure, sure. If you can limit yourself that way, then I think it would be very, okay. very useful. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I've got... Um, like there's some other things I use if I really want to focus well. Like for example, I, I kind of treat coffee just that way. I, I drink coffee maybe once a week or even less, and I get a real, real good kick, a real good buzz from it then, uh, from the coffee. Uh, or um, something that I've started using recently is uh, phenylalanine, and I use that a couple of days a week as well, and I get a good uh, kind of cognitive boost from that as well. Got a lot of energy, uh, kind of mental energy from that. So I think kind of juggling juggling those kinds of things and maybe doing each maybe like two days a week or something like that could could give me a lot of benefits while um keeping my tolerance for them pretty low if you know what i mean yeah yeah sure try it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, sure okay and then question number seven do you think dual end back training would be very beneficial for language learners yes i do have you tried dual end back yeah, I tried it. I'd say it must be three or four years ago now. So I think I th- if I don't remember the details exactly, but I, if I remember the recommendation, it was like to get the kind of minimum benefit from it, you need to do it for 20 days in a row for 20 minutes. I think that was it. It was something like that anyway. And that's exactly what I did. So I did like the minimum amount. And I don't know, it was very tough. It was tiring and challenging. Um, and obviously you get better at it the more you do. And um, so it's kind of hard to know if it had benefit or not and what what do you think do you recommend doing it for a longer time or or uh, yeah what would your your recommendation be sure which language are you trying to learn japanese at the moment japanese oh wow that's a challenge man are you gonna go go live there yeah you know it's funny and i've been telling a bunch of people this um since i got here to bensko and so yeah i've been basically waiting to get into japan since um like early 2020 so i started uh, i kind of decided in late 2019 that i was going to learn japanese i started on january 1st 2020 and my plan was to spend like so every time you go to japan you can get like a three-month tourist visa i think i suppose it's called a tourist visa and and i think you can only get two of those a year so you can spend the maximum of six months every year in japan as a tourist if i understand correctly so my plan was to spend maybe six months there in 2020 six months again in 2021 six months again in 2022 and maybe six months again in 2023 here we are halfway through 2022 and i haven't been able to go to japan even once yet 
Um, so yeah, I'm, so to answer your question, uh, yeah, I'm very much waiting to get to Japan pretty much as soon as it opens up, I'll be on the first flight pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So with a particularly challenging language like Japanese, um, I think you probably need to stack the three different tools for memory, which are mm -hmm. the mnemonic memory systems, mm -hmm. which you're yeah. uh, probably familiar, which, you, which you're probably familiar yeah. with, um, of yeah. coming up with, yeah, mnemonic memory systems. And then yeah. uh, super, the super memo algorithm. Okay. I'm using, I'm not using the super memo algorithm. I'm using Anki. Okay. Is, is, is that a similar kind of thing where it's a flashcard system? Exactly. Yeah. Anki is because the problem most people have with super memo is it's difficult to learn how to use. Isn't that correct? Uh, I find their app really intuitive. Oh, really? Is their app quite new? Is that, is their app newish or has their app been around for a long time? Um, they, I think they, they had some windows software that was confusing as all yeah. hell, but I never, I yeah. never, I never use that. I, I believe you, that is probably difficult. The, yeah, the app is free and it's, uh, or let's see, they have, they have some paid courses that are, that are like very, very, very affordable on the app. Um, okay. and then they have a free version of the app where you log your own stuff. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm using to learn Bulgarian. How long have you been using the super memo app? Oh, like uh, probably a year. A year, okay, yeah. I, I, I'm going to guess that it's somewhat new because yeah, I think the first time I heard about Super Memo was probably ten years ago or more. And I tried to use, I tried to learn, I tried to learn about it so that I could use it on a computer, and it was really difficult. And and everybody who I've talked to about it since says, no, I never met anybody who's like managed to use it. So now that there's an app, that that's something I'd be really interested in looking into. But but yeah, a much more kind of popular app that is similar to somewhat similar anyway i believe to super memo is anki so anki is more much more widely used among language learners and also like medical students and and maybe law students people who need to learn a lot of like facts or need to learn a lot of information and it's it's quite easy to use but the one kind of or there's a few criticisms of anki but one of the criticisms is the the algorithm isn't as good as the super memo algorithm the super memo algorithm is supposedly something really quite special and so I, I'm interested to have a look at the app, actually. Yeah, I'd have to try Anki, and then I could yeah. do a comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll, yeah I'll put yeah. that on my list of uh, things to try. So, so okay, yeah, dual, sure. So dual end back, I see mm -hmm. as um, something that multiplies the effectiveness of these things because particularly while you are using dual NBAC, you're going to have, you're going to enhance your working memory and yeah. your working memory plays a, a subtle yet important role in the uh, consolidation and reconsolidation of semantic, semantic memory. So that's okay. all those new vocabulary items that oh. you're that that that, that you're yeah. learning. All those uh, confusing grammatical constructs that you have to yeah. wrap your your mind and yeah. tongue around in Japanese. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. The yeah. That, so the, the, the it, it is important to have something something that is stimulating your executive function and working memory so that you can consolidate, reconsolidate 
memory okay. a bit better. So I, I would say you, I, I don't, I wouldn't recommend, I, I wouldn't say like you always have to be doing um, all three things like memory systems, dual end back and a, uh, and a, like a super memo or an Anki app. I don't think you yeah. always need to be doing something like that to keep your mind and memory on point. But if, if you're, if you're taking on a project like Japanese and yeah. you've got, I mean, you're only going to be there for like six months. So you can kind of do a productivity sprint. You can kind of like do like yeah. a really focused period on learning that language. And if, yeah, if you were going to do like a real intensive language learning period of like, of like three months or two months, I would definitely stack those those three. Okay. Now, uh, kind of related question. So, th the reason that I I just did kind of the minimum period of Doolin back and I stopped doing it is because I wasn't sure. You know, let's say I have, for example, let's say I have three hours in a day to study. Would I be better off doing just three hours of studying Japanese, or would I be better off doing two and a half hours of studying Japanese and a half an hour of Doolin back? And I kind of figured I'd probably be better off to just do three hours of, of Japanese. And and it's a little bit more um, motivating myself to do dual and back is a little bit harder it's than motivating difficult. myself to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, and you yeah, don't have to, to do, do, to do a little minutes. bit more Japanese. You, you don't have to do thirty. Yeah, minutes. or you know, I'm just I'm just using it, I'm just using it as, a, as an example. So you think that let's say doing the doing the uh, dual and back for let's say fifteen or twenty minutes a day Fit, would outweigh the 10, 10 to fifteen. 10 to 15. Because it's think, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah, yeah even if you were only okay. doing like five minutes of it. Even if you were only doing like five minutes really, of really. it. Okay. Really, yeah, really. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even I don't even do I think back in the day, even when I was like really focused on on my brain training, I would rarely do 20 minutes. Cause uh yeah, yeah, because okay. it's it's boring. So if you're yeah. you gotta yeah, uh, yeah I think I, I'll I'll do like 10 minutes because that's what I'm that's what okay. I'm able to maintain, and and it does have some. Okay, okay. It does have some kind of benefit, even at even at like ten minutes. Yeah, probably, especially if you probably do it over a long, a long longer period of time. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. Now that you've said that, like that, like 10, 10 minutes or fifteen minutes would be good enough. Then there's no reason not to try it. I think there's no reason not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then to answer number eight, which is uh, favorite books and favorite podcasts oh let's see i did um actually i did a i recorded a podcast with my wife and we read my favorite fiction book together and then we recorded a podcast about it um but okay. you might it, it was this book called memoir from ant proof case which is a really funny name uh i know but yeah. it's this it's this amazing epic uh, fiction, fiction book. Um, that's the, it's the story of this guy who has lived this wild, crazy life um, that he traveled all around the world and he fought in World War II and um, became a bank robber and a murderer and a criminal and then escaped the government. And then he has all these uh, wild delusions of grandeur. Um, it's, 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 it's a, a really, really entertaining book. Um, so mm -hmm. I would, yeah, if, if you're looking for like, 
uh, yeah, a book that, uh, a work of fiction that you can like, that you'll really enjoy that can be a diversion okay. from your uh, work and uh, digital nomad life. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd recommend yeah. that. In fact, I can email, I can email over the title to you because you, you probably want, if you're, <laughs> interested, you. if you're interested in reading it, you probably want to read it uh, before listening to my podcast describing it. Cause I think we have some. Okay. Uh, spoiler maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very Is that good. what you were yeah. talking about? Yeah, like cause... a good, a good fiction, a good fiction book that you can really enjoy. Anything just the more, just the most um, useful or enjoyable books you've read or whatever. And, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's absolutely. That's definitely a good example. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's the one I'll throw at you. Memoir from Ant Proof Case. Okay. Cool. Um, for the cool. time okay, being. Okay. Thank you. And then, as far as podcasts, I I have really varied tastes in podcasts. I listen to a ton of podcasts about um about health stuff. Probably. Yeah. Probably too. like yourself. And then I listen to um, some some kind of like alternative. Yeah, yeah. I, I listen to a pretty wide spectrum of like media or like news. You know, I want to get like the far right perspective and the far left okay. perspective when it comes okay, to that's healthy. Yeah. When it when it comes when it comes to the news, let's see. There's a there's a philosophy podcast by a guy named uh, Stefan Molyneux that I liked, mm-hmm. that I liked quite cool. a, quite a, quite a bit. Let me, let me look at my okay. podcast app and see what it is, what it is right now. That's like okay. really entertaining me. Do you have any to recommend to me? Um, let's see. Well, probably some, yeah, I'm sure some that you, you probably listened to yourself or have listened to, I guess Ben Greenfield is, he's probably the one I've listened to most on health. Uh, Dr. Mercola, I find as well, very good. His podcast um, especially in the last maybe six months or so, I, I found he's had some really excellent episodes. Um, and then there's a guy called George Gammon that I've gotten, I've started listening to in the last few months about kind of finance and that sort of stuff. And um, oh yeah, and then obviously Joe Rogan. And then another good one for people who like Joe Rogan might be No Agenda. And No Agenda, it's with. Adam Curry and John Dvorak and um, one of them yeah I think it's Adam Curry is I think he's kind of famous for having the first podcast for kind of inventing the the podcast as a concept and okay. so their podcast is their podcast is also really good it comes out twice a week it's kind of funny they kind of break down the news and analyze the news and and yeah they, it kind of listening to them makes me feel a little bit more calm about what's going on in the world and that sort of stuff because they just make it they, they kind of um let you know how ridiculous uh, this, this, all the stuff that's going on is. And then, so you, you don't feel, you know, it's, it's a bit less overwhelming. Sure, sure. Let's see. Okay. Uh, I'll recommend some one that you, I bet you haven't listened to. Okay. There's one cool. called Let's Read Podcast. And this is okay. a, a storytelling format. And okay. this guy with an amazing voice, like one of the best voices mm-hmm. you'll ever hear, he just, mm-hmm. he shares all these different wild stories that people have put out on, on Reddit, mostly, I think. Um, all sorts of wild stories of people getting kidnapped and people getting almost killed and, and 
Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, people having uh, ridiculous disasters in their dating lives. Um, and okay. so I'll, I'll listen to that one some towards like the end of the day when I like, I want to wind mm. down. I want to wind down mm. a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to like yeah. hear about the latest disaster that happened in the world. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah sure. Nor, yeah. nor do I want to hear about like the latest research in uh, mitochondrial respiration. Um, I just okay. want like, yeah, kind of a relaxing, yeah. a relaxing okay. thing. I'll, tu- I'll turn to- So it kind of ser- serves the function of a fiction book almost in, in that way. Yeah. Kind of does the same thing to the brain, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, think- that's cool. Let's read let's read podcasts.